0: It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Tuesday, October 20th, 2020. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Angoon, Cake, Pelican, Port Alexander, and Teneke Springs all held local elections earlier this month, and the official results are in.
1: KCAW's Erin McKinstry has more. In Angoon, incumbent Joshua Bowen won City Council seat C, and the City Council reappointed him as mayor. Harriet Silva also won a seat on the city council, and she was appointed as city treasurer. A $10 fish box tax on all commercial fish boxes leaving Angoon passed with nearly 66% of the vote. In Cake, Paul Rosted and Henrich Kadek Sr. both won seats on the city council, and Adam Davis won a seat on the Cake City School District school board. In Pelican, Celeste Weller and Derek Stewart were both elected to the city council, and James Slater and Jessica Adams won seats on the Pelican City School District School Board. In Port Alexander, Laura Pollard, Ryan Martin, Tommy Corso, Corey Gifford, Sarah Patrick, Deborah Rose Gifford, and Kevin Mulligan were all elected via an all-write-in ballot for seven city council seats. Port Alexander doesn't certify their election results until November, but all ballots have been counted. And in Tenneke Springs, Rudy H. Zeal, Dan Kennedy, Linnea Lospinoso-Chattel, and Nikita Chase all won seats on the city council. The council will appoint mayor and vice mayor positions at their upcoming meeting on Thursday. Yakutat will hold their municipal election today. The polls are open from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. at the Yakutat Police Department building. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Erin McKinstry.
0: For a breakdown of election results in each of our listening communities, visit our election hub on our website, kcaw.org. Reducing the size of the state's ferry fleet was among the cost-saving recommendations from a work group looking to make the Alaska Marine Highway System more efficient. Now the state is redoubling its efforts to sell its two fast ferries. As Coast Alaska's Jacob Resnick reports, the sleek blue and gold catamarans were brought into service about 15 years ago with great fanfare.
2: The fast ferries had a rocky start. A defect with their innovative lightweight engines caused them to crack, leading to headaches right out of the gate. The state sued the manufacturer in 2010, and both ferries were eventually repowered with conventional engines. And when they did work, the ferries were popular with passengers. That's because the 235 foot vessels could cover distances twice as fast as the rest of the fleet. Juno to Sitka only took about four hours. But the catamarans burned far more fuel than the rest of the fleet and struggled in the notoriously rough wintertime conditions in lynn canal so the chunega was taken out of service in 2015. the fairweather followed last year says dot's regional spokesman sam Dapsevich.
3: you know we determined that they were too expensive to operate with the
2: high fuel usage complicated machinery and you know associated high maintenance costs but that cost cutting had a price The agency told lawmakers earlier this year that it's paying more than a half million dollars a year to moor both fast ferries and Ketchikan's private Ward Cove facility. The state tried last year to hire a broker to find buyers, but that didn't go anywhere. So DOT is trying something new. It's accepting sealed bids for each ferry, or both as a package deal. According to filings, the agency has set a minimum reserve price for each ship, but it's not saying how much that is until the bids are unsealed, for obvious reasons and prospective buyers are required to post a refundable $25,000 deposit with each bid. The public notice went out on Thursday, October 15th, and within 24 hours, Dapsovich says the phone started ringing. Um, we've had some interest, and we are pursuing those leads. The bids will be unsealed on December 15th in a conference room at DOT's Juno headquarters. Until then, the agency is inviting prospective buyers to visit Ward Cove to inspect the two ferries. And it says even though Ketchikan's borough doesn't require it, It's asking visitors to please wear a mask. Reporting in Juneau, I'm Jacob Resnick.
0: With federal restrictions set to expire at the end of this month, cruise lines hope to sail from U.S. ports again soon, possibly before the end of the year. But as Eric Stone reports from Alaska's Energy Desk, some small business owners and officials are concerned that when ships once again start bringing tourists to southeast Alaska, locals may get left out.
3: This summer was supposed to be when business partners Eric Lundy and Delaney Murphy started sharing the natural beauty of Southeast Alaska with their slice of a million-plus cruise ship visitors. they just found it out to see Expedition Company on Ketchikan's waterfront.
0: Of course, we were really excited about about 2020.
3: That's Murphy. She's a co-owner and the company's naturalist. But as the pandemic took hold, the cruise season was canceled. Now there's a glimmer of hope on the horizon. A federal no-sale order looks set to expire at the end of this month, though several lines have pushed their return to service dates back further. Some ships are back at sea in Europe. Cruise passengers and crew are tested for COVID-19 before getting aboard. Ships run at reduced capacity, and onboard medical facilities are prepped for positive patients. And when passengers get off the ship in port, they're restricted solely to cruise line-sponsored activities. Bud Dahr is an executive with Geneva-based cruise line MSC. Bubble type of shore excursions is one of the keys to making our protocols work. Otherwise, the MSC vice president says there would be a big hole in the cruise ship bubble. We have to have operators that are willing to provide an equivalent level of safety to what we're providing on the ship or else the whole thing really doesn't make sense. Cruise lines are taking similar steps as they get ready to resume cruising in the Americas. Royal Caribbean and Norwegian came out with a set of protocols that closely resemble MSC's approach. The industry's largest lobbying group, Cruise Lines International Association, or CLIA, released a similar set of recommendations. But Out to Sea Expeditions co-owner Eric Lundy says he's worried that keeping guests in a bubble would squeeze out most of Southeast Alaska's small tour companies, retailers, and restaurants.
1: It would become basically another no-ship season, except for in this case, you'll have a ship park there just to remind you. (laughs) It's almost a slap in the face. He says partnering
3: with the cruise lines to sell his tours aboard really isn't an option. He says he just can't afford
1: it. Basically, that exchange you sell at a very cheap price in exchange for volume. And a lot of the independent tour operators are like a a single six-pack boat, very, very small, operations.
3: With room for only six passengers, low-price, high-volume tours don't make sense.
2: For a small operator, it's just not even feasible.
3: That's Kevin Birchfield, president of the Juno Charter Boat Owners Association, which represents 12 small tour companies.
2: They've got to be able to operate in a fashion where everyone is included.
3: Local officials are sounding the alarm, too.
2: There's not going to be any free-flowing traffic within the downtown, and that's going
3: to have a various, a very serious impact on the local economy. That's Ketchikan City Manager Carl Amelon updating the city council. Amelon says the city is working on ideas, barricading the port, limiting traffic, maybe even getting the whole downtown area inside the bubble. Mike Tibbles is head of government relations for Alaska's CLIA chapter. He says the exclusive focus on cruise line-sponsored activities is a temporary fix. It's an effort to prove to the CDC that cruising can be done safely. He says those recommendations are primarily targeted at the first few sailings from lower 48 ports.
2: This is not what we hope to have by the Alaska season. I mean, we hope that things open up.
3: He says cruise lines envision expanding that bubble beyond line-sponsored trips. But the cruise industry rep says it's too soon to discuss what tour operators or even cities can do to get inside the bubble. Tibbles prefers the term safety net.
2: The very first hurdle that we've got to overcome is just to get some level of service restarted, right? And, and, and you know, between now and Alaska season, there's a lot of time to be able to have discussions with our business partners and with the, the local community leaders on how we can expand the safety net.
3: Tibble says he's speaking with mayors and managers in port communities. He says the overall pandemic situation, like how many cases there are, whether a vaccine or a treatment is available, improvements in rapid testing, all those could influence how and when protocols are relaxed. Delaney Murphy, though, the naturalist and co-owner of Out to Sea, says she's hoping for answers sooner rather than later.
1: I'm sure it will change. Hopefully it will change from from how they're starting off, but I guess, you know, if it if it doesn't, though, like, what are we going to, you know, find out in March that, oh, actually, nope, you're not, you're not going to have a season unless you're in this group. Like, we need to build a plan, you know.
3: She says that if they can't get inside the bubble, out to sea may not survive. Cruise ships usually start calling on Alaska ports in April. Norwegian, Royal Caribbean, Carnival, Holland America, Princess and Disney Cruise Line each list spring 2021 Alaska voyages on their websites. For Alaska's Energy Desk, I'm Eric Stone in Ketchikan.
0: Alaska recorded three straight days of more than 200 coronavirus cases on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday as a COVID-19 surge continues in the state. Anchorage continues to account for about half of the state's cases. But Fairbanks, the North and Northwest Arctic, and the YK Delta have also seen sharper increases over the last few weeks. Hospitalizations due to COVID-19 have started to rise in the past days, though hospitals are still reporting they have some free capacity. State epidemiologist Joe McLaughlin says the new cases have been linked to many different kinds of gatherings, but there is a demographic group that has seen the steepest increase.
2: We've got wider dispersion of cases uh, than we had, you know, months ago. So now we're seeing uh, more communities impacted, uh, more outbreaks occurring in, in some of our smaller, more rural communities.
0: At a press conference last week, he said there is a regional difference between the most recent surge and the first and second waves.
2: We're seeing really skyrocketing cases in the, in the adults in their 20s through their 30s, followed by adults in their 40s to 50s. But we're also seeing increases in cases in uh, children as well as older adults.
0: Health officials are reminding Alaskans to take health precautions seriously as winter weather pushes people indoors. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.